Welcome to the Restored and Remarried podcast with Gil and Brenda Stewart. Gil and Brenda are internationally known marriage experts who specialize in remarriage and the step family. The Stewarts offer valuable principles that can improve your relationship satisfaction with the love of your life. Here they are, coach and counselors, authors and speakers, Gil and Brenda Stewart. Hey, Brenda and Gil here. We have a fun announcement to make coming up. Uh, if you live in the Portland, Oregon area, you're going to want to hear this. Or I guess even if you're not, you can jump on a plane yeah, and join us. Yeah, get on a plane. Us. Come join us because we're going to have some fun sometime in July. What day? July Saturday, 7th? July 7th. We are going to be at what's called the Tiki Meetup. And our producer, Project Mike, is putting this event together at the Tiki Family Fun Center. Fun Center. So July yeah. 7th, 12 to 3 p.m. It's actually located in the Gresham, Oregon area. Yeah. And so all kinds of fun. Miniature golf. Uh, you said something about axe throwing. Axe throwing. Yeah. You got to see it to believe it. There's, so. Uh, there's a cafe. There's a play structure. There's an arcade. Axe throwing. There's all kinds of stuff for the kids to do. And this is throwing a Throwing place- axes for the kids. Good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not very good. Yeah. Anyway, this is a chance you can come and meet uh, meet us if you haven't met us. There's going to be other podcasters there. YouTubers. YouTubers. Did you know we have a YouTube channel? We do. We do. Yeah, so. we put stuff on there once in a while. Yeah. Anyway, check out. Uh, we're going to be promoting it on the R&R Facebook page and also the Project Mike, which is M-Y-C. How clever. How Project clever. Mike. Project it's Mike. Tiki Family Fun Center. Join us July 7th from 12 to 3. See you later. Hey, all y'all. Gil and Brenda Stewart here, Restored and Remarried, where we give you tips, tools, and tingles Oh, and for you, your relationship. When you say tingles, it really has a different... You've uh, never let me say that before. Well, I, I kind of like it. <laughs> I kind of like it. You're funny. Funny man. Well, hey, we are uh, excited to share with you today um, some recent research, uh, our, an article actually that came from the Washington Post. Uh, June 1st. So this is a recent release by the Washington Post, and it was some uh, an article written by John Gottman and Christopher Dullard. Yeah. Dealing with issues that are referred to as five myths about marriage. Ooh, we do myths about remarriage, but these, I think these myths can be marriage or remarriage. Marriage is think? marriage, remarriage. you got different wrinkles, so this, this probably applies. applies across the board. Yeah, so these are from the Gottman Institute, and boy, Gottman's been around for over 40 years, and they are one of the leaders in uh, marriage information. They have a, a love lab and they've run, done so much research through the years. All and kinds of gadgets where they measure sweat glands and brain waves <laughs> and, and you know, the, the genetics of how relationships work. I mean, this, the, you know, gosh, after 40 years of doing this, I mean, he is kind of the, the gold standard. Yeah, so yeah. These myths are going to be pretty interesting to share with everyone. So the first myth uh, that, that he discusses is common interests keep you together. Well, that makes sense because you're doing stuff together and you have the same compassion or love for it, right? Yeah. So a lot of the online, you know, match dot this and, you know, couple that and so <laughs> forth. Actually, the the research that came in that he was cited was in the Pew uh, survey 
uh, not because it's pew that it stinks, but that's just the name of the the research institute, is that 64% of their respondents said having shared interests is very important to their marriage and relationship. And it was actually beating out having a satisfying sexual relationship and agreeing on politics. Wow. So if we can have shared interests, that's more important than the sex or politics? Wow. So kind of kind of unpack that for me a little bit, Bryn. Well, the myth is that, you know, common interests draw you together. But it's a myth because it's not so much having things in common, but how do you interact about them and with them and while you're doing it? So he cites something, uh, something here. If, like, two people are going kayaking and they head out to the lake and one says, that's not how you do a J-stroke, you idiot. What's a J stroke? I don't know, but that's the. But whatever you did, it was stupid. You idiot! Wow. So, so the criticism. We're participating, but what? Oh, to criticize each other in something that we're loving—that is not. That's not cool. No, no. So you may be doing something together, but if you're not enjoying it, you're not having a whimsical time then maybe that's not all the glue that it's made out to be. Well, and these destructive behaviors can lead to divorce because you do that over time, over and over. I mean, it's just like a smackdown all the time, you know, doing something you love and your partner is always putting you down for it, then I would, I think I'd get defensive about that. Yeah, so on into that particular myth, uh, the predictor actually was that of compatibility, that when we actually are sharing the interest and we're doing that together in a positive ratio to negative, more positive is coming from the activity, the relationship, and that it should be about 20 to 1 in everyday situations. So it says whether a couple is doing something they both enjoy or not. So actually, wow. hey, hey, thanks, you know, 20 to 1? That means for every one negative thing I say to you, I need to put 20 more in your love bank. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot because, you know, when you think about it, it is repetition. I think I'm behind. Uh, well, if we're going <laughs> to keep points, we'll talk about that later because uh, that's actually one of the myths. But, um, yeah, I mean, 20 to 1 ratio. So the, the, the thought is, you know, if you're out having a good time <laughs> doing something you both enjoy, make sure you're doing it with – a lightheartedness and that there is some positive feedback rather than, hey, that J-stroke is wrong. Rather, it should be like, hmm, tell me about that. That looks kind of like a different stroke you got going on there. Explain it to me. Please. Yeah, <laughs> Please. it's all how you frame it. How you huh? frame it, the tone of voice, that kind of stuff, so that it's in a positive refrain rather than that stupid. Well, I know some couples, too, that have common interests, let's say golf or something, and it gets so competitive that it's not fun anymore too so yeah you gotta you gotta watch yeah i mean you... we we enjoy going out and playing golf but we don't keep score well i know you outdrive me but i go straighter so <laughs> <laughs> you get the most of both we both have worlds. fun That's we both right. get to the uh, the little round hole eventually so okay so what's the next myth so myth number two okay so myth number one is common interests keep you together okay, okay? myth number two is never go to bed angry oh really yeah really? now you know, there's lots of signs that you can see on the road, and you know, and they say here on 90 and 90s uh, 
R&B ballad songs about not going to bed angry. Ephesians 4:26, let not the sun go down upon your, you know, upon your wrath. Oh, you're gonna go, you're gonna go scriptural well, on I, me too, and huh? That's I can see that to some extent. To extent. But what happens is sometimes you might this be rushing work. a decision. Well, because I know that if we've had an argument, or even, gosh, especially with step family stuff, oh my goodness, I'd get so worked up hearing something, maybe that was going on in the other home, and once I would sleep on it and wake up the next day, I would have a calmer, different perspective. May not have been uh, a different outcome, but for me personally, it was good to just kind of. Yeah, because if you're, if you're rushing through it so that you can get over the argument so you can go to bed, uh, you could be having an argument until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and still not resolve it. And then you're not thinking clearly. Well, you're tired. You're exhausted. Your emotions are frayed. You know, and, and it's pretty unlikely that you're going to work through a fight about the dishes regardless of how late you stay up. So why not sleep on it? Mm-hmm. Let, let your body cool off, so to say. And when they talked about it, uh, this particular issue about not letting... Uh, never going to bed with uh, being angry, they they went on and said that in their love lab that they would actually have couples engage in an argument, you know, an mm-hmm. all-out fight mm-hmm. and get them really worked up. And well, then they would get themselves they would get up. themselves really worked up. Yeah, they didn't need any help from the from the from the scientists. And and the, then they would actually inject saying, hey, hold on a second, guys. Uh, we have some technical difficulty going on with our equipment. Could you take a break? Uh, go out to the lobby, read a magazine, just you know, kind of cool off for a few mm-hmm. minutes and then come back and we'll, we'll resume your fight. And once the technical stuff is taken care of. Well, they really weren't having a technical difficulty. They were giving the couple a chance to cool off. Mm. And technically it takes about 30 minutes as the research goes, for you to be able to, you know, collect yourself, get your wit back about you, let your emotions cool off so that you can physiologically calm down and begin to speak rationally and respectfully with one another. So actually, hey, let me sleep on it for the night might be a better response. I mean, I think that's kind of what you said. Well, yeah, and I think it helps too, even as we work with couples, um, Sometimes we'll say, okay, you're you're in a heated argument and you need a time out, which is usually what we say. When you take a time out, you take a time in. So you kind of regroup. What am I feeling? What do I want yeah. out of this? Yeah. But it's really important because we process differently. You know, I may want to come to resolve right away and you may need to have some time to think about it. I think it's really important for couples to decide what that time frame is. Yeah. Is it 30 minutes, an hour? Yeah. It, it's not It's not acceptable that, yeah, you need a week to have like no. stone silence no. and we don't talk about it. And I need to resolve right now. So where is that in-between time um, for us to think about it? And during that in-between time, it's not we're not going to be rude to each other or ignore each other. I've heard that happen so many times. and. That's not that's not good, not only for you, but even for your kids that are watching this. And when you get so stoned silence with each other and avoid each other, um, my deep uh, uh, counseling uh, knowledge <laughs> is stop it. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's just why I'm not the counselor. Uh, okay, I'm okay, the coach. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. It's coming up, yeah. <laughs> okay, so myth number three. I think this is pretty profound. Myth number three says couples therapy is for fixing a broken marriage. Mm. Oy, oy, oy. 
Uh, actually, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, it comes to my mind. But in the article, uh, the Gottman Institute makes another note that in uh, 2014, there was a New York Post that was discussing that crumbling marriage of Jay-Z and Beyonce noted grimly that they allegedly travel with a marriage counselor. Ooh, I'd like that gig. Yeah, That'd that would be, be really cool. So I, I guess the, the drift here is, is that seeking help Seeking how to reinforce and support your marriage early on is actually more beneficial to maintain rather than try to rescue it from going and sinking. Yeah. And I think one thing we usually say a lot is the best time to go to marriage counseling is when everything's okay. Because when everything's okay, your defenses are down, you're open to learning new tools. Uh, but when you're ticked off at each other and the defenses are up, you're not as willing to explore new options. Right behind that, I would really have to say that if you are emotionally flooded, stressed, and have too much on your plate, that maybe is a good time to maybe get reinforcements and fix a serious problem. But it is not the time to really dig in and try to retool your marriage. You have got to have some emotional space, margin, mm. to be able to work on your marriage. It's going to be work. It might hurt a little bit. So if you're stressed or you're trying to, you know, save it before it sinks, maybe the idea is, hey, row, row to an island and relax a little bit. Get some margins to work with because if you don't have the emotional bandwidth, so to say, to work on the problem – you might actually be making it worse. Boy, that's so true. But isn't that hard? Like when you're in the middle of it, you want you want that pain to go away. You want that relief. Right. Um, it's kind of like, you know, once again, we've all heard this analogy. If you have a car, how do you maintain the car? You know, you take it in for every 3,000 miles for an oil change. Sometimes it's good, you know, that's why it's always important to uh, go to a seminar. Go, let's take a class. Take a podcast. <laughs> Listen to, you're always investing and maintaining uh, your relationship before it gets to that point of, oh my gosh, the wheels are falling off. And this is another stat that uh, Gottman, I think this is where we got this stat when we do our seminars, is the average couple waits six years after serious issues arise before getting help with their marital problems. Six years. Think about that. I mean, a lot of times it's like we just we just kind of, oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. And in the meantime, um, your heart is hurting. You feel like you're not being heard. And this is this doesn't matter if you're the guy or the gal. It goes both ways. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of point is, is that if you've waited six years, you may have waited a little long because half of the divorces occur within the first seven years of a new marriage. So when you're in the therapist offices, you know, spouses can learn about conflict management skills, communication and so forth. But if you don't understand, don't, if you don't begin to increase your understanding between one another, uh, before the Cold War breaks out, you may have waited too long. Well, and yeah, Gail, you said the first seven years of marriage is when most divorces happen. In a remarriage, it's two years. Within two years, because things are accelerating. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the idea is to not get caught up in the drama of what's going on outside of us and to be connected. Yeah. Not communicate in the head, but connected in the connected heart. Connected in the heart. It's so. Connectication. There's that word again. I love what this article says at the end. Oh, this um, is good. The point of counseling is not to salvage a bad marriage or sort out trauma. Now, at some point, you have to deal with yeah, trauma, yeah, right? Yeah, but, yeah. 
But I love this. It's about revealing the truth about a relationship. As Jay-Z told David Letterman, he gained, quote, unquote, emotional tools in counseling to help him maintain his marriage. Kind of like maintaining your car. You probably should change the oil every 3,000 miles and rotate the tires. Yeah. Do you have tires? Oh, boy, I got tires. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like you to rotate them. Okay. That's okay. another podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> okay, myth number four. Uh, <laughs> got me off track here. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Affairs are the main cause of divorce. This is the fourth myth? This is the fourth myth. That affairs are a main cause of divorce is a myth? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so affair obviously is very traumatic. It it probably tears at the, the fiber of trust and, and your ability to have a foundation that's built on respect and honesty. And if, I've, mm-hmm. if there's been an affair, that, that typically really precedes the complete breakdown. But According to this, that's partially a myth? Well, it says here, while affairs can destroy the foundation of trust upon which a marriage is built, the cause of divorce typically precedes the affair. So it becomes before the affair. Yeah, because what happens is, yeah, because we aren't connecting. Ah. And you may not be meeting my emotional needs, so I'm going to find it elsewhere. Right. Because the the point that he made here was is that uh, only about twenty to twenty seven percent blamed their separation on an extramarital affair. Wow, that that blows me away. Because later he goes on and says Gottman learned that partners who have affairs are usually driven to them not because of a forbidden attraction, but because of loneliness. Oh, ouch. I mean, we're supposed to be in marriage and we're lonely. I mean, what could be worse, being married well, and lonely? I, I know several people that are very lonely in their marriage. And it's it, sad is the only word I can come up with. So as as the counselor, what would you tell someone who's listening right now that feels lonely in their marriage? Well, nothing like being put on the spot, but to be able to reach out if you don't feel like your spouse is safe then you, you that's that's a scary, scary place. Mm-hmm. And so then maybe to go to the counselor and to have a safe place to download, get some ideas on how to reach out to your spouse and close the gap. Find some, some you know, even though this is a myth that, you know, common interests pull us together, but I think one of the biggest things that's important is actually go have a good time. The fun factor. Go, go, go actually do something that you do enjoy, that you can actually... But it's kind of like I hear the point of that my, my spouse is always so negative. Well, there could be neural pathways in their brain that, unfortunately, they have cemented in for so long that you know that, that path is so well-worn. But what do you do to restore hope? What do you, re- mm-hmm. what do, you do to restore connection? Mm-hmm. Well, it could be simply, hey, could, could we go for a walk? Could, could we just go throw the... You know, throw some breadcrumbs to the ducks, just be together mm-hmm. and not have something to argue about. I think just simply finding something simple to connect on would be a good first step. Yeah, yeah. And I think also, too, let's just say, for example, I'm lonely in our marriage. It's not my it's not just my problem. It's our problem. It's our challenge. And mm-hmm. we both have responsibility to I want to say fix it, but that might not be the right word. But if I'm lonely, this is part of your responsibility to help me work through that. 
Thus comes the concept we win as a team or we lose as a team. Yeah. So how yeah. do we get an us? I mean, if I'm protecting me from you, we don't get an us. Yeah. But if we start working together and realize, hey, I'm I'm hurting and you and you can build a safe place to speak up assertively with patience and kindness and and true sincere care, then there's a chance that you can actually start connecting and the reduction of loneliness might get a chance to breathe and you can actually reconnect. Yeah, I think part of that too, and correct me if I'm wrong, Gail, is that a lot of it's just selfishness. Like we're so in our pain or we don't want to face off with what our spouse is dealing with that um, I don't do anything about it. And that can be kind of selfish. It's like, it's not just about you. It's about the marriage. Which leads back to that other myth. Hey, it's more about, you know, maintaining the marriage. And if it's in a place to where it's really in a bad spot, well, you know, it's never too late to start working on the marriage. I almost have a problem with maintaining the marriage. I want my marriage to continue to grow. I don't want it to stay status quo. Okay, that's, that's another <laughs> podcast. So there myth myth number ideas. five, myth number five. And if you'd like to discuss that further, hey, contact us at restoredandremarried.com. Uh, we are on Facebook. We have a closed group as well. But, you know, please, that's how we hear from people as you reach out to us via our, our Facebook. Uh, and, and that's how we, we correspond with people. And I always forget to mention that we offer coaching counseling services. We hardly ever mention it. But we work with a lot of couples via Skype. And uh, can do some sessions with them. We work with people all over the world. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Okay. So the last myth. Let me me just review really quick. Myth number one, common interests keep you together. Okay. Right? Uh, Myth number two, never go to bed angry. Maybe not. Myth number three, couples therapy is for fixing a broken marriage. Mm, Yeah. And myth number four, affairs are the main cause of divorce. So what do we got for number five? Okay, so the fifth fifth myth is marriages benefit from a relationship contract. Now, this is the ultimate keeping score on who's doing what. Keeping track can actually cause couples to keep score, which when they keep score and if the score gets out of balance – Resentment can begin to grow. Mm. Now, keeping score, I mean, we've talked about getting dings for, you know, uh, making the bed. A ding is a positive. Uh, it's a positive. You know, making the bed, you know, cleaning the toilets, vacuuming the floors, making love, bringing you roses, washing your car, uh, you you making me chocolate chip cookies with walnuts. I hope you get the drift here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, those, those are, are those, those are all fun things to do. They're playful because we can we'll text each other. You know, during the day, if if I leave before you and I come home and I see the bed made, then I can text you a ding, and that's just a playful. We 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 playfully talk about points. Yeah, but we it's it, more, it's, it's kept it's whimsical. Fun. It's kept yeah. whimsical, but when people get these contracts, then out goes the out goes the window. Grace. Yeah, there's no grace in the relationship. Yeah, I mean, you didn't this, you didn't that. Well, the contract said this. Well, where's the grace in that? Where's the whimsical in that? There's no playfulness in that. And so keeping contracts or keeping points is actually possibly a myth. Now, there was some more statistic here. Yeah, here's according to this article here. It says, according to a study of 3,000 couples by Harvard 
Harvard. Harvard Business School. The solution is to ditch the contract and spend money on a cleaning service. This is if you were fighting over the dishes or something. So you forget about the contract and spend the money on a cleaning service. Ooh, I like that already. I figured you would. Why? So the couple can spend more time together having positive interactions and fewer arguments. Instead of a contract, it's a compromise. Now, you may not have money, ladies and gentlemen and listeners, to hire a cleaning service. If you can, then that's a really nice luxury. If you don't, then do what's necessary and lower your expectations. I would rather have a few dirty dishes in my sink and be in love with you and have a good relationship than to get my panties in a wad (laughs) about who emptied the dishwasher and there's dirty dishes. Seriously? Yeah. I like what you said last night. How did you say it? Which totally caught me off guard. This was new information after 15 years. It's like, usually in our house, whoever cooks, then the other person does the dishes. So I think I do the majority of the cooking, but you let me know last night that you don't like the way I clean up the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know that. Well, but (laughs) let me redeem myself here really quickly. The cook does not clean very often. When I do cook, which is quite rare... Uh, I clean behind myself, but you cook differently, and so I love it when you cook. So out of appreciation, I'll clean up. But you know what? Honestly, you clean better than me, so I'm like, knock yourself out. <laughs> well, we'll just talk about you remaining to put lids back on things. That's I'm, I'm, yeah. that's my uh, that's hold, another hold podcast. Accountable. I got to put that's lids on another, tighter on the kitchen. Yeah, that's another podcast. <laughs> I think the point here with this last myth is is that couples need to act in a kind and loving way, intentionally, in, intentionally and intentively, hmm. as often as they can. Some things simply cannot be mandated even by a contract. And that's where I always say, just be nice to each other. It's non-fattening. It's it's not illegal. And it might lead to other Other things. things. (laughs) So So those are your five myths about marriage. So uh, have a discussion about it. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, Uh, do reach out to us. Yeah. Okay. Thanks once again, and as we often say... If you ain't got the marriage... You ain't got nothing. Take care. Take care. You've been listening to Gil and Brenda Stewart with the Restored and Remarried Podcast. If you enjoyed today's time together, share it with a friend. And be sure to sign up for Gil and Brenda's free newsletter, subscribe to upcoming podcasts, and learn where they're speaking. It's all on the website, restoredandremarried.com. Connect on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and hashtag Restored and Remarried. Plus, they offer one-on-one couples coaching with amazing results. Join the Stewarts next time as they provide more tips, tools, and tingles for your relationship. Remember, if you ain't got the marriage, you ain't got nothing.